Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Pensacola, Florida, it's time for Let's Talk Community with TLC Caregivers. Brought to you by TLC Caregivers. Good afternoon. Welcome to today's show. As you heard in our promo there, our show, Let's Talk Community with TLC Caregivers. TLC Caregivers cares for people. We provide dependable caregivers for any age, birth to geriatric, in their own living environments, wherever that may be. Children, adults with or without disabilities, empowering them with their abilities. We care for elderly persons and we provide relief for family caregivers. TLC Caregivers serves all generations as needed. We are the area's oldest non-medical provider of services in the community and we were established in 1989. TLC Caregivers, we do more than you think. Our guest today is Claire Prechter from the Epilepsy Resource Center in Pensacola. Welcome, Claire, and we're glad you're here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. And you're Kenny Holt. And I'm I am. Lou Donaldson with TLC Caregivers. Yes, we are. Welcome, Claire. We're very, very happy to have you here. Let's just jump right in. We want to have a conversation about what the Epilepsy Resource Center in Pensacola does. So I'll just turn it over to you, Claire. And again, welcome. And just talk about anything that you think we need to talk about. Sounds good. Well, thank you both to Lou and Kenny for having me today. I am, as you said, I am with the Epilepsy Resource Center. It is the Epilepsy Foundation of Florida's local office here in Pensacola. And we provide comprehensive case management and medical services to those with epilepsy and seizure disorders, as well as education, awareness, and outreach to the local community regarding epilepsy and seizure first aid. Before you get too far into this, Claire, let's talk about case management, because in our industry, we deal a lot with case management in healthcare. Um, might be intimidating for some people to hear case management and think, you know, they lose control of the situation or talk to me about what case management is with, with your group. Case management, our case manager is a liaison for our clients between our clients and the center and the local community. Upon becoming one of our clients, you are you sit down with the case manager, you um, put together an individualized plan of care to determine what it is that you need. It may be emotional support, physical support, medical support, so we can help you get get to a, living a healthy, independent lifestyle. One thing we do that our case manager helps to facilitate is we have uh, pr preferred providers in town where we offer negotiated rates. So you may go to the doctor and pay only 50% of your doctor's fee, or you may um, pay 100% or 0%. And that all depends on the Department of Health sliding scale. So that is how you qualify for this medical services program when you become one of our clients. On top of that, we um, also help with medication assistance if you need help paying for your medical care or for your prescriptions. We also do support groups. We have three separate support groups right now. We have an adult support group for people with epilepsy in Pensacola. We have a parent of children with epilepsy support group in Pensacola. And then we also have a, another adult with epilepsy support group in Fort Walton Beach. And those all meet once a month. So that is part of our case management. We also offer different programs within our office or within the community to help to encourage our clients to live a healthy lifestyle with epilepsy. For example, we did an art therapy program last year. We offer currently yoga where um, 
next to our office is Uru Yoga, and they have been a wonderful partner of ours to help our clients learn how to take maybe negative energy or the depression that often kind of comes with once you've realized that you have something that you're dealing with, like epilepsy, to turn that into positive energy and how to uh, continue to live healthy. Okay. And the case management you're talking about there that you assist them with those funded resources, the case manager will also assist them with connecting with non-funded things in the community that could benefit, I'm assuming. Exactly, yes. Information and referral is a big piece of the case management as well. You just mentioned a yoga studio. Which which one is your partner? Uru Yoga. I know they have several. Uru Yoga, and they work with your clients. Yes. What a great donation from the community. They have. Um, originally, when we started the program, we received a grant for a 10-week program for yoga, and um, that exact program is now over, but we have partnered with them again to offer yoga for our clients starting this summer. That's awesome. That's awesome. Let's, let's take a step back, and uh, Lou, you mentioned partnerships. I think we need to go back to, um, right now you serve under two umbrellas, the Epilepsy Foundation of Florida, as well as the Epilepsy Resource Center here in Pensacola. And you actually used to be the Epilepsy Society of Northwest Florida. Can you discuss that and bring it all Yes, that's correct. Together for us? There were two different organizations here in town, uh, the Epilepsy Foundation of Florida and the Epilepsy Society of Northwest Florida. In 2014, we merged the two. So we would become Pensacola's first stop, one-stop location for anyone dealing with epilepsy and seizure disorders. So there are no longer two organizations in town. We uh, service all the needs of people with epilepsy and seizure disorders. And that's through the Epilepsy Resource Center. Correct. And you are the local representative for the Epilepsy Foundation of Florida. Exactly. That is correct. Okay. And Florida's, we're in this together, which is an annual event, walking. Yes, sir. So we have um, coming up our in April, as Kenny was a part of last year, we had our second annual Walk the Talk for Epilepsy which will be our third Walk the Talk coming up this April. And we're in this together. We are um, out in the community. We want people, everyone to know with epilepsy and um, seizure disorders that we are here for them. They are not alone. They have somebody, um, a resource in the community for their needs when dealing with epilepsy. And so our, um, our phrase for the walk was we're in this together. And that's also the phrase that uh, Epilepsy Foundation of Florida uses in their logo celebrating this year is their 45th year in existence, right? Yes. Um, this coming October will be our 45th anniversary of the Epilepsy Foundation of Florida. And we are um, part of that. Um, every November, we do Epilepsy Awareness Month, where we encourage the community to do it yourself events, get out, raise um, awareness, raise funds for the Resource Center to help us continue to serving the community and our clients. And so part of that will be our 45th anniversary this year, which we're very excited to celebrate. Well, that should be a great celebration. 45 years of serving um, part of the community that has low low representation, doesn't it? Yes, exactly. So um, one in 26 will be diagnosed with epilepsy in their lifetime. One in 10 will have a seizure in their lifetime. Epilepsy affects more people than autism, multiple sclerosis, cerebral palsy, and Parkinson's disease combined. Yet it's something you often don't hear about. People with epilepsy are um, often don't say that they have epilepsy because they are seen as a liability by their employer. They're ostracized by their family and friends who don't understand or know what to do or how to respond to a seizure. 
And so it's really an underserved, it has the potential to be a very underserved clientele and people who won't self-diagnose and let people know that they have epilepsy. So it's not a cause you hear as commonly as many others in town. And those are staggering statistics. I had never heard that before. And we talked about uh, before we came in here to the show today of no stigma. How do we get there? Part of what we do is educate the community with about epilepsy awareness and seizure first aid training. We go to different organizations, anybody who's interested, and we will talk about the different types of seizures. We will teach them how to appropriately respond to a seizure. Um, a lot of people think you put a spoon in the mouth, but actually mm-hmm. um, we have clients who someone has put a spoon in their mouth during a seizure and it has ruined their teeth, and right. so it causes you know, dental damage. Um, so we teach people how to appropriately respond, and I think... Um, knowledge is power. So the more comfortable you are with a topic, then the more um, comfortable you are with someone who has epilepsy. So we're working to break the stigma so they will be included and accepted in the community. Well, with one in 10 having a seizure at some point in their lifetime, I would think that that would be a relatively mainstream issue. Yes, exactly. And the more you talk about the topic, the more someone comes out and says, oh, I know so-and-so had a seizure or um, my mom or somebody in my family has it. And, you know, if you think there's, we use a national multiplier of 3.2. So if somebody has epilepsy and the family members usually become the caregiver, so it affects more than just the person with epilepsy. Right. So let's say we've got roughly over 7,000 people here in Escambia County using that national multiplier of 3.2 since epilepsy affects the whole family. That means roughly 24,000 people in Escambia County alone are affected by epilepsy. So that's a huge portion. And you all serve more than Escambia County, so that number is even multiplied more, right? Right. So, uh, yes, we service Escambia, Okaloosa, Walton, and um, Santa Rosa counties. Well, which leads me, I want to jump ahead. Kenny's going to choke me, but you have a peer-to-peer program. And as the parent of a child with epilepsy, I was really very interested in hearing a little bit about your peer-to-peer program. Yes, this is our second year. We received a grant from the National Foundation to do the peer-to-peer program. And the goal is to bring younger people, um, especially teenagers, out together so they not only understand what epilepsy is, so they have somebody, we're in this together, so they have somebody else who understands people in our school system. As we said, education is a big portion of what we try and do. So if the younger generations understand what epilepsy is, how to respond, then it helps break that stigma. And so our peer-to-peer program will start again this fall. Um, we are partnering, partnering with a couple of the different schools in town. I know the Washington High School SGA has been a huge supporter of ours, and they're part of it. Um, we're going to, there'll be a curriculum that we'll follow, and then we'll also use, there was a young girl who unfortunately passed away this spring, and she had epilepsy, and she kept a blog and also used it as chat for other people with epilepsy. And so we will use part of her chat and blog to facilitate the peer-to-peer program. And um, part of what she said is having epilepsy, you are not somebody with an illness. You are not somebody with epilepsy. You are not just one word. You are still a person dealing with something in your life. And part of that will be what these children or these teenagers and um, students learn so they can help perpetuate the same the same mindset in the school system so basically epilepsy doesn't define me it's a part of who i am and i'm not as different as someone might think i was exactly you can um you know people have different levels of epilepsy some have their epilepsy under control by medication some um 
Luckily, maybe their seizures have stopped, as you can to some extent depend and grow out of them. Others are still struggling to find the right medications. I believe 30% of people are non-responsive to anti-epileptic drugs. So that's still a significant portion. So there are um, lots of different different level, levels of epilepsy. And so we're trying to bring all together to help educate the community. Okay, and the, those peer-to-peer groups program sounds wonderful. Somebody is interested in learning more about it, but they don't have epilepsy themselves. I know they can contact your office for a presentation by someone in your office and possibly even bring someone with epilepsy to give a personal perspective. Talk about that a little. Yes, definitely. Um, part of what we do is we go to the communities and um, we've done nonprofits, school personnel. We have a program for school nurses for continuing education units. We um, law enforcement, nonprofits, anybody that's interested, we will come out, do a presentation on epilepsy, teach the different types of seizures. So you, most people think of a grand mal seizure where somebody's convulsing on the ground, but there's also obstant seizures where somebody might just go blank and stare and you think maybe they're not paying attention to you for a few minutes when in reality they're having a seizure. Um, so we teach those different topics, the different types of seizures and how to appropriately respond to anybody in the community that's interested. Which is a wonderful education program and awareness. Yes. I, I love that. But you mentioned some civic organizations that you go to. What about employers? We discussed a minute ago, you mentioned that um, many employers see people with epilepsy as a liability. Mm-hmm. TLC employs 130 to 150 people across the Scambia and Santa Rosa counties. What about coming to an employer like ours? Definitely. We, um, anybody that's interested, any type of organization or community that wants further ed- education for their employers, for their students, we are happy to come out and facilitate. And frank discussions and willing to answer the questions exactly. associated. And we have lots of clients that um, advocate for our center and how it's helped them as well. And they um, are often with us. And it's a great way, again, that education, knowledge is power. It helps us break <laughs> the stigma within the community. And you talked about the walk earlier, bringing awareness, and we'll talk about that more before the end of the show just to remind people. But I know you all do other things in the community as well. I remember last fall you were doing a bike, or actually that was this spring, bike fitting, helmet yes. helmet fitting. Which TLC caregivers and Kenny has been a huge help with. <laughs> we have Heads Up for Epilepsy, where we um, we have a grant to purchase bike, or we use ped bikes to buy purchase bike helmets through a grant. And we are have certified helmet fitters, so we will come out to different events, sir, uh, appropriately fit a bike helmet for children, and um, they, at the end of the day, get to take home the bike helmet. We teach them about bike safety. And the, uh, the part of the important piece of it to us is that traumatic brain injury is the number one cause of seizures and epilepsy. So by giving a child a helmet, we can help prevent, hopefully, traumatic brain injury and potentially one more child with epilepsy or seizures. And that's an incredible program for our community. Um, it's free to the mm-hmm. recipient and yes. it's just a great preventative measure. Well, you enjoyed yourself volunteering. Oh, I did. I did. The kids were full of smiles and it was just a very good event. Now, who else partnered with you on that? We have worked with several different organizations throughout um throughout Escambia and kind of the neighboring county. So it depends on, I know we've done, through the school systems, we've given bike helmets. We've done um, back-to-school fairs, health fairs. And I know we did one with Sacred Heart where we gave away bike helmets. So anybody who's interested, contact us. We'd love to help. Do you have other events like that that bring awareness or provides a service in the community regarding epilepsy? 
We um, often do informational booths at different health fairs or um, any events going on. So those are kind of our two big ones right now. Okay. Talk about the, let's talk a little bit more about the uh, Walk the Talk for Epilepsy. The Walk the Talk is one of our largest fundraisers and um, way to raise awareness within the community. As I said earlier, this coming up April 8th will be our third annual Walk the Talk for Epilepsy, and it will be in Blue Wahoo Stadium like the past two. Uh, last year, we raised over $58,000 for the center and raised awareness within at least the 250 participants at the stadium, not to mention all the others that um, heard about the walk and were affected or learned and educated through the through the um through the walk as well. And that third annual, that's here locally in Northwest Florida. That's your own? Correct. That is done locally here. And then November is Epilepsy Awareness Month. Uh, Do you already have events planned for that? We are in the process of planning events for um, November is Epilepsy Awareness Month, but we encourage the community to get involved as well. We, um, whether it's an actual fundraiser for the center or just a way to educate the community and raise awareness, we'd love to partner with other organizations or families. We have um, a girl who wants to do a lemonade stand for us. or oh, So it, it can be anything from hosting a, a dinner and talking to your friends about it or planning a major fundraiser. We'd love any sort of participation to get the word out and help us to break the stigma. And we talk about fundraising there. So we want to emphasize that you are a nonprofit organization and you are dependent on donations and fundraising. Correct. We are a nonprofit. We um, do do a lot of fundraising locally here. Um, we also do receive part of um, Department of Health grants to keep us going for our medical services program, um, our navigation, Affordable Care Act navigation. But we do do a, um, a majority of our fundraising here locally for. And no donations too small, and certainly no donation is too big. Exactly. Even for our 45th, 45 cents, $45, 45 Whatever you want. As you said, no da- no donation is too small or too big, be it time or money. So that's great to know, and I hope uh, our community hears that. And if you all raise uh, $58,000 with the walk in April, it sounds like that word is getting out um, as we move forward. Hopefully those numbers get even bigger because I know there is a, a great need. And I was just reading um, one of the programs that you have is a law enforcement education and continuing education units for school nurses. I love both of those. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So the school, um, it's very important for us to make sure that our educators know how to respond or even sometimes to spot the beginning of epilepsy or and to respond to a seizure. So we do have the continuing education units for school personnel. That's something where we can come to the school to teach or we actually have a link online where they can do it online as well. And for the law enforcement, I've we um, I find it particularly interesting because a lot of times when you see someone having a seizure, people think they're having a drug overdose right. or um, it's, you know, they've had too much alcohol. And that's certainly a complaint of a lot of our clients. They'll, um, medics will be called, they'll be sent to the hospital, and then that's extra costs that they may not be able to afford or necessarily need for the the ER, for the ambulance. So in teaching our law enforcement, we tell them what to what to see, what symptoms to look for when responding to someone with a seizure. So it may not, so they do not necessarily jump to the conclusion that it's a drug or alcohol overdose, but somebody may be having a seizure, how to uh, um, maybe stay back, guide them so they don't hit anything on the wall, they don't run into anything, they don't harm themselves, and let them 
can go through the seizure, seizure naturally and come out of it and then to assess the situation at that point. So um, we've gone to George Stone to t- teach their law enforcement students out there. We've um, spoken to the firemen. So um, we're happy to get out in the community and let people know what to look for and what to do. And continue to bring that awareness. Exactly. Um, and we've had several people, parents that will call in and say, it was actually my teacher who recognized that my child was having a seizure. You know, we didn't notice it at home. Our child was being, um, couldn't, was being held back because they couldn't remember what was going on in school, right. what they learned the day before. Imagine if your child could not keep up in school because every night they were having a seizure and didn't remember what was taught the day before or missed a lesson as they had an absent seizure and stared blankly and the teacher just thought they weren't paying attention. So these are important issues to make sure that the community knows. Those are critical awareness issues, I imagine. Yeah, so the, um, those two in particular are, are something that we're really working hard to get out in those um, communities to get in front of. But it all goes back to education. Exactly. Of course, making people aware <clears throat> what to look for. Um, so all of that's available through the Resource Center. All of it's available. Just um, anybody who's interested in training, call the office, and we're happy to set it up for you. Now, what about people, individuals who wanted to come to the Resource Center? We welcome anybody to come to the Resource Center. We are located off Tippin Avenue near the airport. Um, we are open five days a week. We um, have our case manager in-house who d- helps with our clients. We also will also have um, a Department of Health grant for the Affordable Care Act Navigator. So we have somebody on staff who can help you navigate the marketplace to find health insurance. And then um, within our office, we have a resource center as well. It has local community information. We have um, computers and the opportunity for our clients to come in, maybe if they don't have access to Internet, come in, do research to learn about um, epilepsy and um, to help them continue, maybe look for jobs or help them get back in the community. So we encourage anybody with epilepsy, anybody without epilepsy but interested in the cause to come visit us. We would love to see them at the center. It sounds like you're very welcoming in there. And we talk about you need funds as a nonprofit. You also use volunteers. Tell us what kind of volunteer opportunities people would have that are willing and wanting to volunteer with. Really, the sky's the limit. We would um, welcome anybody who's interested that can come in and say, hey, I have this skill. I would love to offer it to you. Can you take me? Or somebody who says, I'm trying to learn a skill. Um, Can you help facilitate that by me volunteering? It could be working administratively. It could be helping us with special events, helping our case manager and working with our clients. We have lots of different volunteer opportunities that we would love anybody interested to come in and help us out. It really is a rewarding cause. A lot of people, myself included, don't know much about epilepsy until they get in the center and start dealing with our clients or seeing the struggles or seeing the struggles of our clients or how the center has helped them to continue to get medical care and live a healthy lifestyle. So we would love any type of volunteer to come in and help us out. And your peer-to-peer programs looking for volunteers. Yes, we would love um, people to come help with peer-to-peer, especially the um, teenagers and people that can get involved. You do not have to have epilepsy to get involved. Part of the goal of the peer-to-peer program is to have more people educated and know about it and to help perpetuate the mission and um, understanding of epilepsy and what to do. And so anybody who's interested, we'd love to have them help. Let's talk about your mission for a minute because you're talking about people coming, volunteering, um, learning, and then just going out and living their normal life every day in the community with a better understanding of epilepsy. I mean, that's achievable, right? Yes. 
It is achievable. So our main mission is um, we're leading the fight to stop seizures, to find a cure, and defeat challenges created by epilepsy. So within that is the education piece to help the community. Um, advocacy, um, we do for our clients and community members, especially in the support groups, we bring in different uh, new treatments to educate them on new treatments, medications that may be going on. So they can help, of course, in combination with their doctor, that they can make educated decisions on what their medical plan is. But so it is achievable in all the different ways that that um, we've been working. Well, most problems that we have in this country seem huge and are going to require a lot of money to fix them, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. And all we have to do is educate some people and then send them out to live their lives. Huh. It's crazy. Such a simple concept with such a, a large impact. Very much so. <clears throat> I, I love the peer program. I just, anytime you start with younger people and empowering them, teen years are kind of rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when you give them the opportunity to go forward and, first of all, give back to the community uh, through volunteer services, but then working with someone with epilepsy or any um, atypical situation. I think it's fantastic when both people come out feeling better about themselves, mm-hmm. more understood, more recognized as an individual. It's fantastic. Well, and part of that, you know, the individual piece of it, when you are diagnosed with epilepsy, a lot of people feel like their independence has been taken away. Right, um, right. When, as soon as you have a seizure, you lose your driver's license. Your doctor is required to report you. You cannot even reapply for one unless you've been seizure-free for six months under the care of a neurologist or two years without the care for a neurologist. And that's just reapplying for a driver's license. So imagine not being able to get your, just pick up your groceries every day, maybe not being able to go to the pharmacy to pick up the medications that require, that are required to help you continue to be seizure free. Maybe not picking up your children from school. And that is a huge transportation is a huge piece that is often taken away from people with epilepsy. So living that independent lifestyle and individual life is um, taken away from you. And transportation is such an issue anyway in our community. Someone that finds themselves in that situation, what is available? Well, um, we are proud that we have now um, have a couple of different options that we can help people with transportation, help our clients with transportation, be it coming to the center to um, to engage in the activities we have going on or meeting with their case manager or getting to their doctor. So we encourage our clients to call us and we can help them um, help them find a way to find a ride. Is mm-hmm. that through funded services and volunteer or? Right now it's through, um, we're just starting a couple of different programs, kind of pr- pilot programs that we're working on. So it, right now it's kind of a case-by-case basis for the client and their needs. So um, it's through our funding through the office. Incredible. And of course, TLC caregivers, that's one of the things that we do. We transport. And I know the Resource Center is aware of that. Yes. Um, That transportation is available to anyone. And of course, it is a funded, someone would have to pay for it. It's a private pay program. Some of our state programs do provide that, but it's very limited. And I know it's an issue for anybody who has that transportation issue in our community. So it's great to hear that there are programs that assist. Yes, we're excited that um, we have this ability to help our clients in this in this new way now. Very good. I'm not sure if we completely covered it, so let's just make sure we do. How does somebody become a client of the Resource Center, and what is, do you think the biggest benefit of them becoming a client of the Resource Center is? To become a client, um, you can call our office and go through our intake process. 
um, I would encourage people to call our office directly. And then... Um, What's that phone number? The phone number is 850-433-1395. And we can direct them and help them walk through the process of becoming a client. There are multiple, um, many, many reasons to become a client um, and many different aspects of how you can be a client. If you do need assistance with doctor's visits, your medications, you can become part of our medical services program. Or if you just want case management, helping, uh, making sure that you see your neurologist every year, or even just see your primary care physician, or come to our yoga class to help you continue to live healthily, attend our support groups. Those are all um, different aspects of what you can get as a client. So it doesn't matter if you need our medical services or if you just want to come and advocate and um, help us keep the community aware if maybe you are living seizure-free at this point. Well, it's great to have you in front of other people who maybe aren't living seizure-free at this point to know that they can get there too or to um, help create positivity that we can all, we'll all get through this and we're in it together. So not all clients of the Resource Center have epilepsy themselves. All clients do have epilepsy, but it may be controlled versus actively having seizures. Well, I say that because don't you have programs for the families of those with epilepsy? Would they not be a client? Or is that a different type of client? Usually the person with epilepsy is our client, but we service the caregivers as well, the families who help take care of them. Okay. And we would encourage everybody again to contact them. And we did give the number, area code 850-433-1395. The Resource Center also has a local Facebook page, and that's Epilepsy Resource Center. You can find it there and like that. And then the Epilepsy Foundation of Florida has a website, and the Resource Center can be found through that as well, and plus all the programs of EFOF, Epilepsy Foundation of Florida. And that website is www.epilepsyfla.org. Is that right? That is correct. Anything else that we need to talk about contacting? And we'll give those one more time before the end of the show. I'll give you that opportunity. No, um, we encourage people to call. Stop by the center. We're open Monday through Friday, 830 to 5. We love to have people come to the center so we can um, help you face-to-face. But obviously, um, transportation may be an issue or you just want information, feel free to call. We can help you either way. Awesome. We talked about epilepsy can be caused by head trauma. What are some other causes of epilepsy, known causes, uh, obviously. Well, um, as we mentioned earlier, the number one cause is traumatic brain injury, but um, there can be many different causes, uh, known causes. Um, One is maybe something that happened, uh, birth defect is not the correct term, but something that happened during childbirth that maybe affected the brain. Um, Traumatic brain injury, one type of seizure is a febrile seizure, which would be if you have, uh, for children, um, actually myself, I had a febrile seizure when I was a child. I was about four or five, and it was just caused by a high fever. Never had a seizure since. So there are lots of different causes of epilepsy. Okay. Any particular age group at higher risk than others? Um, actually, children and the elderly are at higher risk for epilepsy. And if you think about Florida, we have um, it's beautiful <laughs> weather, great place for recreation. We have a lot of children as well as it's a great retirement state. So we have a lot of elderly. So there are, um, I believe, 12% of Americans with epilepsy live here in Florida. 89,600 of those are children. But then going back to the traumatic brain injury piece, we have many, many military bases here. And of course, our military are often subject to traumatic brain injury. 
So this is a cause that I think um, hits home to a lot of people here in Florida, especially here in the Panhandle. Absolutely. And of the unknown causes, is it believed that epilepsy can be inherited? It can be. Not all types of epilepsy are, but there is a component where um, sometimes it can be genetic. Lou, you talk about a personal perspective, and I like what you said there about I'm not any different than anyone else. I just have different issues that I have to deal with. Uh, Being the parent of a child with with epilepsy, I, I can tell you, you have a lot of concerns. You don't want epilepsy or anything to define your child, you know, as you're watching them come up. And you discuss the independence. Someone's diagnosed with epilepsy, and automatically they assume that they're losing their independence. <clears throat> TLC, of course, is all about independence. Um, but you feel somewhat powerless as a parent when your child's expressing these concerns. Um, my daughter was um, eight years old when she started seizing. And there was no typical warning sign. Um, there was no fever. There, there wasn't anything. And being a relatively uh, close-knit family with another member of our family with epilepsy, we were at a loss. I love that the resource center is there. <clears throat> Excuse me, my, my child is um, well into the teenage years now and hasn't actively had a seizure but watching her go through uh, middle school, there were fears. Uh, There were things that, um, as a parent, were really hard to even recognize uh, what to do. I love the resource center is there. You and I talked earlier on a personal note. I'd love to get her in there on the peer-to-peer program. Um, It's tough enough to be a teenager without thinking that you're different right. than everyone else, even though you are different. Each, As we all are, though. We all are different, right? But it's kind of hard to see that when you're mm-hmm. when you're a teenager. <clears throat> well, and we, um, you know, you have a broken arm, mm-hmm. and you know the next step when you leave the doctor's office. But if your child or you're diagnosed with epilepsy, what is the natural next step? You don't necessarily know what to do. So we're that next step. Come to the resource center and see our, um, help, let us help you with the resources we have. And no stigma. I think that's our goal. Isn't that the goal for everybody? Mm-hmm. Yes. With that there's, this is, yes, it's a big deal, but it's not life-ending. Right. And we have, um, you know, we have clients that say, my child was not invited to the birthday party and everyone else in the class was, but because they have epilepsy, they're afraid they're going to have a seizure. They don't know what to do. So here my child is losing out on these social, the, you know, normal socialization of, of a of a child. Sure. And that you know that's it's not something they've caused or anything they've done but here they're being left out and it's just you know the stigma and maybe lack of education so we're trying to work very hard in the community so that doesn't happen and we need to have that frank discussion throughout the community and hopefully today's show sparks some of that whether it's epilepsy or autism or whatever the case might be right yes one <clears throat> uh, you mentioned autism there's a large comorbidity between autism and epilepsy yes so Yes, there is. Um, we talk about the parents bringing that child home knowing they have epilepsy and that child being aware that now they have to deal with this epilepsy issue. You have the support groups. What can a parent or a relative or even the person themselves, whether they're an adult or a child, 
dealing with epilepsy, what can they expect from those support groups? They're different. Um, Sometimes we'll bring in speakers to talk about um, new medications, new treatments for epilepsy. At our support group last night, our parent support group, we had people, a representative from Escambia County School Systems and the STAR Family STAR program to talk about individualized education programs and Section Mm -hmm. 504 to help the parents understand how that they can communicate and um, execute a plan in the school for their child with epilepsy. And it may just be uh, other times where parents can come in and um, talk to each other, see what's worked for one for their child, or just a way to build a community around the people with epilepsy so and, they know they're not alone. And you almost said they're what works for others. So I think that's a vital, important part of the discussion as well. You want people to be aware of different options, but not necessarily will everything work for every individual because, again, we're individuals and we're right. all different. So I think that's very important as part of the discussion, and I like that you've brought that up. So let's talk a little bit more about the support groups. Parents and Children with Epilepsy meets at 6 o'clock at your office at 2401 Executive Plaza Road, Suite 3A. And that support group is the third Tuesday of every month. Of every month. The Adults with Epilepsy meet at that same address at 10 a.m. the third Thursday of the month. And then your group in Fort Walton is Adults with Epilepsy, which meets at 10 a.m., at the Goodwill Easter Seals building in Fort Walton yes. Beach. And that's the third Wednesday of the month. Or you could call the 850-433-1395 and get a listing of all of those support groups, yes. right? See, Follow Kenny, us on Facebook. There you go. Kenny maps it out beforehand. I'm a fly by the seat of my pants kind of gal. I'm going to need to call and find out. because We'll I give you all the information down. in the office or you can find it, um, like us on Facebook. Very much so. so. I said before the end of the show, we'd give you one more opportunity to list all the ways that they can connect with you. Lou, just... But before you do, I have one question. I, I don't know who came up with this and I absolutely loved it. If there's one takeaway from this interview, uh, what would you like listeners to remember? We're in this together. You're not alone. We have the resources at the center. Call us. Stop by. We are in this together. Uh, absolutely. That is, that's <laughs> like the best answer I think I've ever heard. And I think that's one of the things we're working on in the community. So, And with that being in mind that we're in this together, your office is again located at? 2401 Executive Plaza Road, Suite 3A, and that is off Tippin, right next to the airport. And our phone number is 850-433-1395. You can go to our website at www.epilepsyfla.org. And you can like us on Facebook, be it the Epilepsy Foundation of Florida page or our local Epilepsy Resource Center page. And I think that's a lot of information, a lot of great information. Again, people, please reach out to the Epilepsy Resource Center if you have any questions, suggestions, want to volunteer, want to donate, want to arrange an event for you, whatever it might be, question or comment or any of those, do please reach out. And we thank you, Claire, for being here today. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I hope we covered everything that you wanted to talk about. Um, Give you one last opportunity. Is there anything trending with epilepsy that we need to talk about that we haven't? 
Well, we are seeing a lot of people coming out and um, self-disclosing that they have epilepsy. And I think that's Mm -hmm. huge because it's showing that we are breaking the stigma. We, um, again, as we were talking about the peer-to-peer program, the um, Washington High School SGA students and um, other students in town that are starting to get involved in the center and support the center. So we're seeing that um, we're helping break the stigma that way, that we're getting to it at a younger generation before maybe the stigma has really developed. So we're um, hoping that the trends keep going that way. So you've got a lot of great support in the community. Great, we lots do. Of great partnerships. Yes, we're very grateful for um, our partnerships and uh, look forward to building more. One of the things that she had hit on, Kenny, you and I talk about all the time is the independence angle. Whether you have um, an illness or you're frail because of your age or a recent um, medical problem. And, of course, that's what TLC, we're all about keeping people in the environment of their choice. And um, it's nice to see stuff in the community on the move. In our community, uh, many of the people we serve, a lot of people might not notice uh, because many older people don't get out and about like they used to. And they are kind of um, removed sometimes from the headlines. And we like very much the opportunity to uh, put them out there and get a little bit of recognition for a very worthy population. Okay. Well, we appreciate again you being here t- today, Claire, and uh, just thank you for the conversation. And Hopefully people reach out to you. Give us a call or stop by. We'd love to see you. We will come by soon. And just to wrap up our show, a little bit about TLC caregivers. We do provide non-medical services in the community, such as childcare, companion, respite, homemaking, bathing assistance, transportation, dressing, and toileting, all in your own living environment. Or if you have somebody that's visiting in the area, we can even assist them. Some companions provide transportation, as we talked about here today, and can be included in your loved one's care plan. We have private pay options and work with area nonprofits with funding sources. We are a licensed agency of Florida's health care. I said that wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> agency <We are laughs> for Healthcare Administration. Thank you, Lou. Aka. I'm tongue-tied here. We are bonded and insured, and we are a drug-free community. Our employees are our actual employees, and we think that's important for you as someone that's hiring us. Please remember us when you have friends and vacationers, family that have needs. We answer our phones 24 hours a day, every day. Our phone number is 850-857-0920. You can like our Facebook, TLC Caregivers, and... We just thank you for joining us today. And just remember, TLC Caregivers, we do more than you think. This show is brought to you by TLC Caregivers. TLC Caregivers, we do more than you think. Learn more at TLCCaregivers.com.